0: Hey everyone, welcome to Impact Marketer. Today's guest is founder of Juan, single-handedly creating one of the biggest pet protection networks across the United States. Started as a six-month sabbatical for being a solutions architect, but transformed into founding Juan, which is a startup that uses your smartphone and a Bluetooth smart tag to locate lost pets. He's been able to bootstrap and get to more than 2,000 users nationwide. Juan has been featured on Hallmark, Reader's Digest, San Fernando Valley Business Journal, and Giftsby. We've also worked with over half a dozen rescue groups from Dogs Without Borders, Wags and Walks, and Animal City Pitbull, to name a few. He's been able to take one of his greatest fears, which is losing his dog, and create a phenomenal product that sells itself, which nearly cleared out his inventory as it went viral in upstate New York last year. Please help me in welcoming Gilad Ram.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being on, Gilad. So you have a really exciting story. Could you actually walk us through how you came to be, I think, I think it's a cool story for everyone to know. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, so I have a, um, 10 year old rescue dog named Puppy Pie, actually name him, but that's his name. (laughs) And about two years ago, I was taking some time off from work. I actually quit and just decided to take about six months off. I went to Israel to visit my family. I went to Tokyo to drink with friends. I just hung out, read a whole bunch of books. And then one of the things I like doing the most is is going on road trips. And my friend uh, was being invited to this conference in in upstate Washington State by Spokane. So I said, you know, why not? I'm just going to drive up with my dog and meet you there. So I drove all the way up there and we had a great time. And then they flew back and I decided to drive back down with my dog again. So We drove through Seattle and Portland and went all the way down Pacific Coast Highway. And my dog got to pee on a giant sequoia, which I think is the biggest (laughs) honor for a dog. And then we ended up by Santa Rosa. And that was during the fires. And it was really, really nasty. And the air was, you know, everyone was on edge. And it was really sad. So we stayed at an Airbnb East Bay somewhere. And I left my dog at the Airbnb because I had to go get dinner and I can bring him into the restaurant. So I left him inside the house. It was a big house. I made sure that there's no one there and that the owners knew I was leaving my dog there for an hour while I was getting dinner. I made sure that, you know, his food and water was there. I made sure that there's no way out. I circled everything. There was no doggy door. There was nothing. I locked the door with a padlock so there was no way in or out and the owner assured me that no one else is supposed to come, and I'm the only one there. I went down the street to eat dinner, came back after an hour, and I realized, you know, I didn't check the parking sign. I need to check to see if I need to move my car so I don't get a ticket, and I turn around, and I see my dog sitting out there by my car, and that moment, that instant where I realized you have so many what-ifs that go on in your brain while you're processing that situation? What if he had taken one wrong turn and I'd never see him again because it's a strange town and maybe someone would have picked him up. It was right next to a major road. What if he had tried to cross the road and, and got hit by a car? What if strangers were chasing him and he would run away and hide somewhere and I'd never see him again. I don't even know where to look because I'm not from here. All those, you know, all those thoughts kind of raced through my brain. And I could feel my heart kind of breaking in real time, even though nothing happened. What if? It's a terrible feeling. So I picked him up and I took him back to the house and I see two people there, you know, like holding their heads, hands over their heads. Like, is that your dog? Apparently they were the owner's parents. They showed up unannounced. They knew the code. They knew the combination. They opened the door. They didn't know there was a dog there. My dog was surprised. He's a rescue dog. So he just runs. And he ran out. They couldn't catch him. Apparently crossed the busy road. He ran down to the restaurant, followed my trail, tried to get in, couldn't get in, ran back. It was a whole thing while I was just eating dinner. And I, I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah, that, that kind of started me thinking. You know, that got, got me thinking. And then a few weeks later, I started, um, I got back home and I started working on what became one.
0: That's awesome. And for people that want to start a, physical product, direct-to-consumer brand, like, how do you go from ideation to, to bringing it to market? You need some savings. <laughs> you absolutely need some
1: savings because no one gives you a free trial on hardware. You can't just buy batteries or fabric or whatever and have a free trial. You know, that doesn't work. You have to pay in advance. So, It really depends because if it's technology, obviously you need to understand what it is that you're doing. I would not recommend paying someone to develop a product from scratch. If you have no idea what you're doing and that includes software, by the way, you can start with, if it's a cheap product, if it's like, you know, like a pet accessory or fashion or something like that, that's cheap to make, at least for testing, just, you know, just start with a few units and you can take it from there but if you need something more large scale it's going to cost a lot more than you think it will so have definitely have some savings and be prepared to waste about 90 percent of what you think your budget is because most of your tests are not going to be successful
0: unless you lucked out and you found something that worked the first time but that's usually not how it happens sure so rough estimate how much would you recommend someone 5 10k 50 the most you are comfortable with
1: not ever seeing again. So I would say, I I would, I would just say, take 50% of your net worth and prepare to kiss it goodbye, but at least you learn some stuff while you're wasting it.
0: Yeah. Those are great tips. The the 50%. Wow. That's pretty risky. I see a risk tolerance there. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I have no concept of risk whatsoever. I'm very, very happy to just
1: risk everything every day. Which is not good. That's not good.
0: Depends on the U.S. Okay, so we've set aside a lump sum of money. Uh, We bought some units to test. What's the next steps? We found, let's say, our MVP. So next step is
1: obviously you need to find customers, and finding customers is usually one of the hardest things that a startup has to do, unless you work for a very large company and you have a lot of customers that know you and they can follow you to your new venture. So I have a friend who works for Amazon and he works with very, very high profile clients. So if he leaves, he can just ring them up, say, hey, you know what? I have a new company. You can be my customer now because I will do everything better than Amazon. But mm-hmm. for me, I had to cold email a whole bunch of rescues and I had to obviously chase down my friends and ask them if they wanted to try out my thing. And you really need to go door to door and you need to, if you've ever tried to walk in waist high water, that's kind of what it feels like. Really, there's a ton of resistance and people don't understand what it is that you're doing. And even if they do, they care just enough to let you know that it's never gonna work. and you really need to kind of walk but you have to keep moving because if you stop moving you're gonna slowly move backwards so you have to keep moving you have to keep spending that energy and hopefully by the time you reach
0: the other end you're not exhausted
1: mm-hmm. okay, because so that's where the
0: rules start you starts, so. gave such an accurate depiction of of what i think outreach feels like but Is there a way you're measuring your progress so you know you're making progress or are you just kind of feeling it out, constantly doing outreach and and just crossing your fingers? At first, I think trying to measure it is a waste of time because you don't know
1: these people, you don't know how many cold emails you need to get a response from that person, you don't know if that person just never reads their email, you don't know if that person... Is super excited on the phone, but then they take their phone, they throw it in the river, and they, they disappear for three weeks. You really never know. So it's really hard to, gay, yeah, you just have to be persistent and j- just keep trying and trying and trying and try. The most important thing that you can do is have, instead of, you know, emailing someone and saying, hey, you know what, let me know when you're available, because that's never going to happen. You can say, hey, I'm going to be in town next Tuesday after two. Do you want to have coffee at 2.30? You have to get a yes or a no. You can't ask them to check their calendar and then try to find a time that works because that's never going to happen and people suck at doing that. So you just have to keep trying to get them to respond in a way that makes it seem like they have to do
0: the least amount of work, the best way I can put it. Absolutely. You have to spoon feed them. And- Was cold emailing your most effective strategy in the beginning?
1: In the beginning, I would just, I would just introduce myself and tell people I am working on something that can help reduce, I reached out to rescues and, you know, rescues are the ones out there chasing down dogs and finding dogs that have gone missing and going to the shelters and pulling out dogs that, you know, no one claimed. Mm -hmm. So they were the ones who immediately understood what I'm talking about. So I reached out to them and I actually got a few responses right away. Not all of them. When dealing with nonprofits, it's very, very difficult. Sometimes it's almost impossible to work with nonprofits, but I did um, get
0: some responses for some rescues and that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, you weren't trying to sell the, the rescues on your products. You were just trying to get them to give out your devices, right? Yeah. The whole network is designed to be massive. Mm-hmm.
1: and there's a limited number of people I know who have dogs, right? So, yeah, 50% of my friends have dogs, but still, that's not enough, and there's a limited amount of people who you just, random people you approach at the dog park that will take you up on your offer, so you really need, you need numbers, and for those numbers, I had to go to the rescues, and some of the rescues were like, you know what? That's great. We're going to work with you. We're going to give it a shot. I did not want them to pay me anything, give me their feedback, and you know, having testing the app on all their various phones. And kind of testing it on dogs, a product that has to be worn by an animal is very, very different than a product that has to be worn by a person. Mm-hmm. You never know what the animal's going to do. You never know what kind of stress and situ- extreme situation the animal's going to end up in. So it's very, very different, and that was extremely helpful. They provided me with a lot of value, even though there was no money involved.
0: Did you have any interesting findings that you didn't know in the beginning? Like, the dogs did something with the tags, or...?
1: Anything
0: of, of oh yeah absolutely I had to change the material the dogs
1: were too rough. I had to change the design because the dogs thought it was a treat and would keep eating it. <laughs> I had to improve the waterproofing. some dogs just would just jump in the lake and, and do something that caused it to not be a hundred percent waterproof i had initially I realized that dogs like people they're the majority of us is water water blocks bluetooth signals if there's a certain position that the dog goes to sleep in or curl up in they might block the bluetooth signal completely and that's something that i never thought about until i saw it in real life and then i realized you know what i'm standing two feet away from that dog i'm not getting signal even though they have the tag on so i had to redesign it so i did get a lot of very very interesting feedback and a lot of problem reports and a lot of help and it helps me as an entrepreneur as someone who's just starting see that there is people find value in what you're doing because everyone's giving stuff away for free right Mm -hmm. everyone so you need people to actually care about what you're doing to be able to kind of suffer through your glitches and the versions that don't work and the bugs and staying on as users just
0: because they believe in what you're doing sure and You know, with all the costs involved with this process, did you calculate how or when you'd reach breakeven or profitability and how did you do that?
1: Yeah. So I went through several different uh, business models and then I realized that I am not paying myself anything, obviously. And then I'm doing everything myself. I don't have developers or marketing people like everything I do is myself until just very recently I added a few more team members, but I did everything myself and i used commercially available off-the-shelf hardware i did not design my own hardware so that was very helpful for me to not go into debt because building hardware from scratch is very very expensive and breaking even is actually very very easy if you don't pay other people to do things for you because people are expensive being able to do everything myself build the app work on the hardware, work with the manufacturer, and design everything, all of the various physical components, and do customer acquisition and social and all that stuff. Again, I'm not the best at any of these things,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I'm good enough to make it work. I think that means that I can break even very, very easily and become profitable very early on instead of having you know to pay three engineers and two marketing people and a support person and then breaking even is is very, very hard.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because then you're you're, you're spending a million dollars a year just on salary, right?
0: Mm -hmm. You just mentioned you brought some people on. Who did you bring on? I have two part-time engineers
1: that are working with me, and they are helping me build out our sensor network. Our sensor network is going to provide Bluetooth coverage in areas where there's not a lot of users. So as you know, Juan is based on the community. It's kind of like, ways for missing dogs right you only you have ways then it's not going to work but if everyone has ways then it's great and everyone gets traffic information and everyone can save time and Huan is no different it uses everyone's phones to kind of pick up those signals coming up of the tags and let everyone know where their dogs are mm-hmm. but what happens if there's no one there it's kind of the chicken and egg problem right yep. how would users sign up to uber if there's no drivers mm-hmm. so Again, that was one of my first reasons to reaching out to our rescues. They were signing up even though there were no other users, right? Because they wanted to help promote it. Mm -hmm. So I initially got my first 100, 200 users just by reaching out to rescues and having them install it and putting the tags on their dogs and kind of starting the momentum just a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And then the sensors are actually going to provide much better coverage with long range antennas and they're going to be installed in coffee shops and restaurants and pet stores and vet offices and just kind of dot the landscape and provide coverage even you know if if it's 3 a.m on a sunday morning and it's raining and there's no one out Mm -hmm. the sensor is still going to be there and it's going to pick up a dog if that dog is hiding somewhere or walking past on the other side of the street that is extremely important in terms of network coverage And it's very similar to what Tesla did with superchargers, right? When Tesla started, you couldn't drive it from LA to San Francisco. And Elon Musk just put a supercharger in the middle and said, you know what? Now you can.
0: Yep. So that's
1: what we're doing. We're filling in the gaps. And so these engineers are helping me build the hardware. This is now it's custom hardware. It's Mm -hmm. still using parts that are commercially available in very high quantities, but it's custom. It's designed specifically to detect missing pets outside. And that's what they're helping me with.
0: Sure, and I just want to touch base again on the, like calculating break even because when I launched a small e commerce brand, that was something that I dramatically overlooked. So, do you have a number of users that you have to reach? Let's I don't know let's say five thousand, and then for six months, and you know you'll hit break even and profit. Do you have a number like that? I don't have a number like that because the number
1: is different depending on your expenses obviously when you have 10,000 users, your expense level is different than 100,000 users.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is hard to say in advance. You can make all the business plans you want, but I can do kind of like a hand wave ballpark figure of that 5,000 users. But again, that's very different and I might have a completely different workload, any different user milestone. So it's really, really hard to say. But having said that, I think, after a certain number of users, it's basically, it's net profit. So I would say, I think after I reach 5,000 users, I can really move a lot faster. Let's just call it that.
0: Sure. Okay, cool. Super cool. And what's been, what's your biggest hurdle now? Is it adding new sensors to make up for the, the lack of users? The biggest hurdle now I think
1: is still, um, user acquisition, just acquiring users in a way that lets us grow the rate that we want to grow. Mm -hmm. You can never grow too fast. Mm -hmm. I mean you can, but we're not at that point yet. So I would really want to improve our customer acquisition funnel, get new leads at a higher rate and kind of sharpen our perfect our funnel.
0: Let's just call it that. So I think perfecting the funnel right now is the biggest hurdle right now. Sure. I know you mentioned before that when you went viral in upstate New York, you actually couldn't handle that volume. Can you handle more volume now?
1: Yes, that happened completely, very unexpectedly. I had no idea it was going to happen. And I started getting dozens of orders every day. However, now I am smarter than that. And (laughs) I learned all about fulfillment and automated shipping. So I am working with a fulfillment center and they are just ready for me to kind of give them the go ahead and they're just going to start fulfilling orders and offloading that part that was the hardest part is fulfilling the orders myself
0: yeah but i know exactly what to do and how to handle that so yeah sure how did you come up with your prices or even like how did you decide on becoming a monthly recurring business model? It's simple. I don't think anyone wants to pay a full price for a
1: product that might not work if your neighbors don't have it. You really need to lower the barrier for customer acquisition. You need to lower the barrier for entry. And so not only that, but yes, dogs sometimes ruin the tags and sometimes eat it. And I don't want people to have to Uh, give up on the service because they don't want to buy another one, you know, they don't want to spend another $30 to buy another tag if their dog or some other dog at the park decided to chew on their tag. So I just decided to make it a a monthly subscription and then I offer unlimited warranty and that kind of works out. The price I calculated based on about three months to cover my customer acquisition cost, Mm -hmm. which is kind of standard. But again, might change in the future, depending on volume, depending on my price point with my supplier and my price point with other parts that I have to, you know, the cloud providers, my, my backend, all that stuff.
0: That's great. Uh, Cause I was actually talking about this product with my aunt who has two dogs and she's like, Oh, like, but tile is a similar product and it's only one price per year. And I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, I guess you're paying more with this dog tag if it's monthly, you know, but those points are super valid. Yeah, like dogs are more completely different than, again, humans, like you mentioned before.
1: Yeah, humans are very, very different. Tile is different. Tile's business model, you have to buy one once a year. And they're really designed for keys and wallets, and they're not designed to go on dogs, really. I'm sure they have their use cases, but I personally, I didn't even know Tile existed when I started this, because I've never lost anything in my life. I really wasn't their target customer at all. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different. Again, we might add a, an annual subscription in the future, but I think I want people to pay for not only the tags, but in addition to the subscription, you get access to the sensor network, which is a
0: big selling point. Like get like an upsell for the network, right? Exactly, exactly. That is awesome. Okay, very cool. And why didn't you, I know you didn't want to do any uh, funding, but why don't you do crowdfunding?
1: Sounds like a very crowdfundy
0: project. Yes and no. Yes, because
1: it's something that uh, people do get excited about. But no, because crowdfunding is, especially for hardware consumer product, is a monumental task. And the amount of energy that you spend on producing videos, sending updates, building your Kickstarter campaign, all that stuff. It's so expensive that I'd rather just put it into the product and generate real revenue instead of working on the campaign. I'm hoping that something will come out of it. That's one. Second, all those crowdfunding sites are littered with the corpses of campaigns that were half-assed and didn't complete or failed. And I'm pretty sure that kind of ruined it for everyone else. I think
0: Crowdfunding was great initially, but now for hardware, it's a crapshoot. Sure. And I've also heard that people hunt for IP on there. I and mean, they rip your idea if you have a good idea. Probably. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, just
1: let your customers validate you and start it. I think crowdfunding is very, from what I've seen, it is a huge, huge task and not something that I think I would be particularly good at.
0: Mm-hmm. Can we also dive into your referral strategy, which I believe is one of like the biggest drivers for, you know, just the growth of your network with these tags? Sure.
1: The referral strategy, I just used something tried and true. Initially, when I first started, I just had people invite three other friends and they would get a free tag. Then later I had a rewards program where, you know, you send out a referral and when someone installs the app using your code, you get a point. And then you could redeem those points for t-shirts or limited edition tag designs or other items from rescues I work with. Rescues have swag. So like rescue swag and stuff like that. And now I settled on a different one, which is uh, you give something and you get something. So there's a referral screen inside the app. And it's a try to do method that you send a code to your friends, kind of like Lyft they get a credit they get credit when they sign up and you get credit when they sign up so it's a two way referral
0: nice and then
1: there's a leaderboard and you know the the five biggest referrals every month you get t-shirts and and stuff like that and you just reward people for referring
0: awesome nice and simple i like that last one for sure and it keeps your cost down if you're just giving them credit absolutely very cool and something that i hear with like A similar theme throughout our entire conversation is you're constantly focused on the consumer with every product decision that you make. And that's really cool to see as this company catches fire because of it. Product market fit, as you said before. I mean, yeah. Who else am I going to be focused on? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. Last question. What do you want to be known for in the next 10 years? I want to be the guy who ended pet homelessness in America, honestly that's what I want to do. That is a uh, big mission, but I, if anyone can do it, I think yeah. it'd be you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And where can people find out more about you? They can go to gethuan.com,
1: G-E-T-H-U-A-N.com. If you're wondering where that name came from, Juan is actually named after a character from The Silmarillion, which is another book in the Lord of the Rings universe, Middle Earth. And Juan was a warrior dog he was as big as a person he could speak three times and he was instrumental in one of the major battles of middle earth so that is where i got the name
0: (laughs) that's awesome thanks so much for being on thank you